All right. Well, Steve, I wanted to talk to you specifically because not only did Eddie produce one of Eddie and the Tide's albums, Go Out and Get It, which still to this day is the only production credit I'm aware of of his. But I know that because you came out of the Bay Area and he, even though he's from New York, he sort of came out of the Bay Area too. And I wondered if you guys, you know, did you... Did you mix it up? Were you buddies? Did you cross paths very often? What was your experience like with Eddie Money? Well, tell you the truth, he kind of his first album came out in '77. You know, out of out mm-hmm. of you know California there, and we weren't even you know doing much then. So mm. our album came out in '85 mm. okay. with Eddie with Eddie producing it. So as far as um, you know, playing with him much or any of that, we didn't really have much connection, but. What happened was Atlantic was trying to help us find a producer for our first album, and our manager Bobby Corona was was bringing up names, and Eddie Money's name came up. So we went into a little studio near Eddie's, uh, and he was into it. He wanted to produce us, so we went into a little studio near Eddie's house and uh, recorded a demo at, with Eddie, and that was mm-hmm. actually our first meeting with Eddie. And it's funny in the little studio, my drummer Scott had brought this up. There was a plaque on the wall that said "Platinum Artists Do Not Do Demos." Was one of his, <laughs> it was it was on the wall in his little like little home studio. But but anyway, we so we did this song called "Just Need a Little Rock" with Eddie uh, and sent it back to Atlantic, and they liked it. So that's kind of when we first started working with Eddie, and that was probably 1984. So mm, okay, what an uh, like. Do you know the backstory? I don't, I, like I said, I don't know of any other albums he produced. I don't think he even produced his own albums. No, as a matter of fact, I remember being in the studio with him and he was talking about, you know, this is like the first, you know, band he had produced and mm-hmm. he was into it, man. He was, he, he worked us hard. Uh, he came down to Santa Cruz where we were living and rehearsed with us for, you know, weeks and just really uh, was, he was a taskmaster, man. And huh. I remember him talking about Tom Dowd producing one of his albums. I think it was No Control. And Tom Dowd, it was a hero of mine. I mean, Tom Dowd produced the first album I bought was Supreme Disraeli Gears, mm, you know. Good one. And, um, yeah, and also Derek and the Dominoes, Eric Clapton, you know, mm-hmm. that whole thing. Derek and the mm-hmm. Dominoes, he produced that. So anyway, he would talk about working with Tom and how Tom really just kind of helped Eddie develop this kind of, man it takes sometimes it takes a lot of work to get a good song out you know or a mm-hmm. lot of takes and so eddie had a really good musical mind man he he would hum about three or four different ideas into our lead guitar player's head and try different things and this was one thing i remember eddie saying to us many times he said he'd always kind of simplify the song back to he'd say man we got to be able to you got to be able to sing this song around a campfire and that's mm-hmm. what he'd said many times you got to be able to bring an acoustic guitar and just play this song around the campfire. And that was kind of his his test of if, if the song was, you know, right. Mm-hmm. Somehow, mm-hmm. It was, if you could play it on acoustic guitar around a campfire, that, that just kind of meant something to him. So. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Can you think of specifically, um, were there, I don't know, like production flourishes or little tricks or things that he really liked besides, I mean, obviously he was trying to direct you in your songwriting, but are there things that you hear when you listen to that album that are uniquely Eddie that he put on that album for you? I, the main thing I remember about that first album was he was always trying to come up with different hook lines, you know, like for mm-hmm. guitar parts, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing. He would come up like he'd have three or four different lines that for our lead guitar player to try. 
and usually um, it was always just like uh, kind of a battle between what our guitar player liked and what he liked, and then they'd kind of meet halfway sometimes. And so that's that's what I remember most was him coming up with these things in his head of these lead lines that, or hook lines mm-hmm. that would come in the beginning of a song. You know, I remember that as, as, you know, especially. So okay, okay. I thought I was this your first album? I thought it was like your second that, or third album. Well, it, it was actually. We put out an EP, and then uh, uh, we did uh, "I Do It For You," which was an independent mm-hmm. record, which uh, which, yeah. so, which sold a lot. And then that kind of got Atlantic's interest. Was our you know okay. our second record? I do it. I do it for you. Was the title of that? Yeah. And then the third the third record was actually yeah the one Eddie produced for us. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and and I've got to share with you too, John, while I'm talking to you. Um, I'd spoken to Eddie back around April he had called me out of the blue kind of we hadn't spoken in years really mm-hmm. and he was just kind of talking to me about how much he enjoyed working with us and he was kind of in a weird way he was kind of bummed that it didn't have the hits he wanted you know it didn't produce the you know hit song he felt kind of I could tell he kind of felt bad about it I said well Eddie that's just the way the music business is man it's crazy mm-hmm. you can't you know you, nobody knows and he he was kind of cool about it, and then he he started. He was a joker, right? Mm-hmm, so he mm-hmm. he says, "Well, I, I got to tell you a joke." And he he'd go into this. He had this gruff New York kind of accent, you know. He'd say, mm-hmm. "So so I'm, I'm I'm this was this was the joke he told me. I remember this. He says, "So I'm doing a concert, Eddie, and I'm you know I'm doing a ballad, and it's it's really emotional, and I'm really getting into it. And this this girl in the front of the stage just crying her eyes out. She's just crying. She's I can't believe it, man. She's just really into this song." But but then he said, but I, but then I looked down and I see I was standing on her fingers, Eddie. I was standing on her fingers. <laughs> and that's why. But anyway, that's a typical kind of an Eddie joke. But he, he sure. liked to joke around like that. He, I remember one time he brought in Bill Graham, his manager, into the mm-hmm. into the recording studio. And and Bill was very complimentary of Eddie's production work and 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 just what he was doing with with us. He, he enjoyed mm-hmm. my band a lot. So. But Eddie was, he, he, I don't know, he, he didn't like to get too serious. He liked to joke mm-hmm. around and keep things light, and he had a big heart. Yeah. I remember at the time, MTV was huge when we were recording this record, and and I and I was just another broke musician, and he and my manager one day went out and, and bought a, a video recorder for me, which was probably mm-hmm. about a $400 purchase at the time, but, I, mm-hmm. you know, they wanted me to be able to record you know, if MTV was playing mm-hmm. our, our our music on MTV, he wanted me to be able to record it on on the. No so way. I just, but so he had a big heart like that. He, you know, he that is great stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. Wow. So he called you in April. Yes, yes. We wow. spoke for quite a while too. I mean, he was asking about my life. What's you know what had been going on, and yeah, he was tell he was telling me about his life, and he was really happy about he. Had, uh, he had been recording some new music, and I remember mm-hmm. one song he played me. Uh, I'm sure it's okay to talk about it because he was yeah. talking about it. It was a song called "Brand New Day," and but he had done, as far as I know, he had done a whole a whole new record. He was really proud of it and real happy. I think he was still working on it when we was when he was talking to me in April. Hmm. But um, and he played me that song "Brand New Day," and it, it was really catchy, really, really, wow. you know. Yeah. So he was working on some new stuff. So hopefully we'll be able to hear that. You know? Yeah. Were you, was it common for you two to stay in touch over the years, or was that sort of a call out of the blue? It w- it was kind of a call out of the blue. It seemed like we had spoken a few times over the last couple of years. He'd been reaching out. He 
Huh. He wanted his son, his son, I think, was going to do a record, too, and he wanted his son to do uh, Go Out and Get It, the title song of our album. Mm. And he wanted his son to do that, so he was asking me questions about the song, and you know, chord changes and all that. So that was another huh. call we had had, you know, earlier in the year. But yeah. but, yeah, but it was, I just remember specifically this last call, it just seemed like he, I don't know, man, on some level he just wanted mm. to reach back out mm. after all these years and just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. say he enjoyed working with me and, uh, you know, and that mm-hmm. he was kind of, he was kind of bummed that the record didn't take off like he wanted it to. And, and yeah. you know. Well, I think it's, re- that's why I was clarifying that it was as recent as April because, you know, the, the announcement that he had cancer was only just a couple of months ago. You know, it was like three or four months ago and then he's suddenly gone. But you saying that he, I, he had to have known beforehand and was calling people to, you know, he doesn't outright want to say, I've got cancer and I don't have much time left, but I think that's what's in his heart. That's probably the motivator for calling you. I really do. And I remember um, just the tone of the call. It was just, it was, he was really very real with me and just, you know, really just wanted to catch up about my life, what was going on in my life. And you know, he told me about his kids and the music and that he was working on. He was, you know, yeah. he was really happy about that. And um, it, it just had that feeling of like, I just, like, he wasn't going to be around long. That's yeah. the feeling I kind of yeah. remember. Shocking. Wow. You know, yeah. he, um, from what I can tell, it's been interesting since he passed on how many stories come out about what a funny guy he was. But in some ways, and we don't have to dwell on this, but a little bit of like maybe a little bit of a tortured soul or something, you know, he struggled with like alcoholism and stuff like that. And I feel like it's uh, like he's sort of a lovable lunkhead in a way, you know, funny guy, great guy to have around, sort of a goof, maybe. Can you tell us a story that I mean, does anything stand out more than the rest about being around Eddie Money all day? For months well i do think you're right i think he, he wanted to be a joker and he liked to joke around and and uh, maybe some of that came from some kind of insecurity too you know mm-hmm. you know like he was he was from a working class you know family out of new york i mean his family they were all police a lot of his family was in the you know were police mm-hmm. officers in new york and and he was actually a, a police officer in new york but he said he never uh, got from behind the desk he said he was mm-hmm. a, more of a desk cop you i know? didn't realize that okay yeah, that's the main thing is I just remember him always joking around and, uh, uh, you know, and, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and I think sometimes he tried to talk to me about, you know, fame and music business and all like just how crazy it can all be and up and mm-hmm. down, you know, cause his, his career kind of went up and down and he was trying to mm-hmm. tell me stories like just, you know, kind of like, don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't let it get to you. Kind of basically he was saying, yeah. just try to live your life and don't really take it all so seriously, you know? Mm-hmm. So. I was trying to kind of think of the timeline in my own head. If he produced you in 84, I think his big mm-hmm. p- comeback with Take Me Home Tonight and everything was 85, I want to say, maybe 86. Yeah, I, I want to say somewhere in there, yeah. And I remember hearing on the radio one day, I was driving to a show and it came on with the whole band, but we were listening to the radio and it came on. We were like, wow. Yeah. You know, it's, and, it, and, it, and it just took off. That song really... Yeah, especially with Ronnie Spector, you know. Oh yeah. So I, oh, yeah. I thought that was a good call putting her on there. I mean, that was a great. Absolutely. And that gave him wings, man. Yeah. I mean, that gave him a whole new, you know, because you know, 
when he was working with us, you know, I, you could tell he was kind of in between albums mm-hmm. and trying to figure out the next step he was going to take. And yeah, um, so so yeah, but it, I mean, really, I remember him just trying to help me be aware of the pitfalls of the music mm-hmm. business and try not to make some of the same mistakes he did. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, <laughs> just you know, where you get too carried away. Yeah. Okay. What do you think is the legacy of Eddie Money? What do you think? Um, you know, some if you're going to play a song for him for one of your kids or something like that, what do you say to them? How do you preface it? Guys, this is a song by Eddie Money, and here's what you need to know about him. I would just say he was a very musical person. I mean, when we were working with him, I was surprised at all these different melodies that would mm. come out of his head when we were working with him, different ideas for a song. He was very musical. And I, I was checking out that first album again today actually before we you know spoke Mm -hmm. and that first album i mean baby hold on to Mm -hmm. me two tickets to paradise there's just he did a remake of the the old Smokey robinson you really got a hold on Mm -hmm. me which is just an incredible cop you know cover version of that so you know i would just say he was a very musical person very gifted i mean he was he Mm -hmm. he had a lot of ideas and had just a a lot of soul, man. Yeah. He had a lot of soul. I think of him as a sort of a blue collar guy. I mean, literally yeah. and musically. I mean, he he's a he's a workman, you know. He's in it every day and he's grinding it out and sometimes things are good and sometimes he's got to hustle a little harder, but you don't yeah. see that. You don't see blue collar guys like him anymore, especially these days with I mean, no one plays rock music anymore you know it just feels like his, I know. his breed is extinct in a way yeah no it is it's changing times and the way people make music now i mean back then it was all of us in the studio all live you know tracking live with the drums the bass and the guitar we were all cutting these songs live and yeah. and now it's kind of from what i see it's all piecemeal done on the computer and whatnot so mm-hmm. you know yeah. Did you guys ever play a show together or anything like that? I mean, it sounds like nothing was going on before this album, but afterwards, did you guys ever do anything together? Well, what happened when Atlantic, you know, we were doing the record and we were recording the record. We were playing in San Francisco one night at the Stone, one of the mm-hmm. clubs in San Francisco. And um, Eddie came out kind of at the end of the set as a surprise guest mm-hmm. and, you know, and played with us and, I want to say we did that song "Shaking" with them that oh, night. Oh, nice! I can't. Yeah, you know. So that was kind of fun. But but as far as I remember, that was the only time he actually, you know, joined us on stage. Okay. But I remember um, he he was real proud of working with us and and what we were doing. And one night uh, they had the Bay Area Music Awards mm-hmm. every year in San Francisco, and Huey Lewis was just tearing it up at that point. I think sports had come out or one of those records had come out for Huey and, mm-hmm. and Eddie took some of our music to play and he played, um, he played Huey some of our music oh, that night and he was, nice. you know, I could tell you, he was, he was like, check these guys out. And Huey yeah. was like, yeah, man, you know, yeah. that's cool. So, there you go. so he was, he, Eddie was enjoying, you know, the process of production. But as far as I know, I don't know if he ever produced another band. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I never heard of any other band he produced. So. Me neither. Me neither. I had yeah. I had Greg Kinn on here a few months ago, and um, yeah, I didn't realize this, but he and Eddie are like best friends. You know, they they came up in the Berkeley. You know, they yeah. came out of the a lot of the Berkeley music scene. Long Branch was a famous little club there, and I think Greg and and Eddie were both you know at the Long Branch a lot playing the clubs. You know, there. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. 
Did but you yeah, ever yeah, cross Greg, paths Greg, with Greg? Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. We wrote songs together. We did shows together all the time. There, were, there was a phase when I don't know if you remember this, but Greg had Joe Satriani, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Satriani playing lead guitar mm-hmm. with him. So, <laughs> yeah, that was quite <laughs> that was quite a trip watching you know yeah. watching Joe play with Greg. But, yeah, you wouldn't have put those. But anyway, together. but uh, yeah. So we all yeah. I, I, I guess I was closer with with Greg toward the end there mm-hmm. we because we did write a bunch of songs together but mm-hmm. but eddie was i don't know he was just a he was a character he mm-hmm. was a goofball mm-hmm. he he just didn't take it all too serious he liked to have fun he mm-hmm. he, he he was just a wild character man mm-hmm. and i i'm still just trying to wrap my mind around the image of him behind the boards producing someone else's album like you know eight to five or whatever it's probably not eight to five whatever rock and roll business hours people were keeping at that time just overseeing this project and having to meet deadlines and having to you know push the right button and know all the right tricks and he just seems like like you said kind of a goofball i'm trying to envision that guy really having to be responsible for this for this project you know well i gotta say you know he he brought it in with with pretty much at the budget Atlantic had given us, I think we went a little bit over the budget, but, but no, he was, he was, I think it was a point in his life when he was, he was really, you know, trying to get some things together and, Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, you know, make a little comeback. Like when we were talking about, you know, uh, take me home tonight, coming back with that song too. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think it was a point where he was really trying to, you know, work on himself and, and, and prove, prove things to people. You know, I think you're right. Um, can you yeah. tell us anything like texturally? Did he always, did he chain smoke? Did he always have a Diet Coke with him? Did he go order Chinese food for lunch for everybody? You know what I mean? Like, where, is there, what, are there any of those kinds of things? Like, oh, let me tell you, he loved glazed donuts or whatever, whatever it is, you know? Yeah, no, he did smoke a lot. Okay. He did smoke a lot, which is, which was when I heard that, that he did have the cancer, it was mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, yeah, you know, he smoked a lot. So, so I do remember that. And a lot of times, you know, it's funny, but I noticed this. He, he'd say, he, he'd call me, he'd call me Eddie, you know, he'd tell, yeah. Eddie, come over here. And he, he, he had a piece of paper by the board there, the engineering board, and he was practicing signing his name. And he said, you got to learn how to sign your name right. <laughs> I remember he was always, when you're doing autographs, when you're doing autographs, you got to uh-huh. sign it with a little bit of flash, you know? So yeah. he was sitting there practicing how he was going to put the money sign through the, somehow through his neck, through the E or something <laughs> in his name. Or yes. But but that that was one of those little tidbits that I okay. just remember, you know, he was, he was trying to get me to figure out how to sign my names yeah. for autographs. So I was oh, like, okay, great. Eddie. Whatever you say. I love it. That's great. Well, good. Well, look, I wanted to uh, I wanted to pay tribute to the guy with someone who I know knew him and could yeah. you know, give us a, a taste of what it must have been like to be around Eddie Money for a while there. I really love the guy and I, I love his music and uh, I'm sad to see him go. Like I said, not just because I miss the music, but because he represents a kind of a musician that there just aren't a lot of anymore. You know, he he was, and that's. I mean, he was a true musician. He had so many ideas. I, I didn't know he played the saxophone too. He brought yeah. that out in the studio a few times, and he liked to play around on the sax and just for the fun of it. But, but I, and I, I don't I don't remember him having much of an ego. 
I really don't. He, Good. Yeah, no, he, he seemed very humble, actually. Mm. He seemed very humble and and low-key about the whole Eddie Money thing. I mean, he just seemed like, I don't know, kind of surprised everybody mm. else that he had had all those hits, you know. Yeah, and it was, yeah. And he's just going to ride it and see where it went. And, mm-hmm. and he was... He just seemed very humble to me, and, and just he was he was a good guy. That's fascinating. Um, and you recorded that whole album in, in, in where? At Fantasy Studios, which is they call it the the studio that Creedence Clearwater built. Ah, sure. Um, because that was Saul's aunt's, you know, had, mm-hmm. you know, had built that with the money from Creedence Clearwater and all that, and so. But it was a famous studio, man. I mean, it, I think it's gone now. But Fantasy Studios was. Uh, down the hall recording at the same time, you know, the Grateful mm-hmm. Dead would be down and there really? was like four studios. Yeah. Grateful Dead. The Aerosmith was down the hall one night when we were playing uh, recording. I mean, it's just, you never knew who was going to be down the hall That's from you. Wild. So it was, yeah. It, so, yeah. So okay. I remember one time our guitarist went in and there was Jerry Garcia in the break room trying to put a quarter in the, to get a coffee out <laughs> or something. So, like, <laughs> what and, a life. And, it was it was interesting, man. So yeah. there was all these stories, but sadly, I think that I, from the last thing, the thing I heard about Fantasy Studios is, is it was gone now. So I think so. Kind of sad. I think you're right. Yeah. Ah, uh, man, those were the days. Well, they really uh, were. Yeah. Uh, okay. To close it out, unless is there? Did I miss anything? Are there any outstanding stories or anecdotes you want to share? No, actually, I, I I'm out of it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean. You know, I mean, but I do, I just remember him as being a caring person. He really sincerely wanted, you know, when he was producing us, he wanted us to make a great record. And he really, you know, I think he was really trying to get everything together for it and help us. And, you know, you know how the music business is, but, but that's what I remember. He really cared about music and he loved music and he had a lot of great ideas and, and he was, yeah, he was good to us, man. Good. Well, look, in closing, we like to close these things out with a song. And every tribute out there is playing multiple Eddie Money songs. What is your favorite song from that album that he worked on with you? Tell us that. I'd like to close it out with that. Oh, wow. Well, between Go Out and... Yeah, I'd say probably Go Out and Get It. There's okay. a song called This Girl, too. I, I love the way that This Girl came out this really. Girl. I think okay. it's a great song. So either... Go out and get it or this girl, I would okay. pick. So. Okay, good. We'll close it out with one of those. Well, uh, Steve, thanks again. Thanks for talking with me. R- right on, John. No, no worries, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Inside her 